0: Welcome back to Grace Talks, a Christian women's podcast that studies the Bible, the women in it, and applies it to our lives today. Today, we're gonna be talking about a dead girl and a sick woman from the gospel, a two-for-one special, if you will. I don't know what you've gone through, not in your lifetime, not in this past year, not today, but I know that at some point, you've experienced hurt. At some point, life didn't treat you or a loved one fairly. In the world we live in, That's our reality. Bad things and turbulent times hit everyone, even if others don't see it. What marks our character is how we respond. Where do we go? Who do we turn to? What comes out of our mouths? Three of the books of the gospel tell us a particular story of people responding to scary and trying situations. But my favorite narrator of this story is in the book of Mark. Before we read the first verses, some background. The Gospels all tell the story of Jesus. The Gospel is translated to mean the good news. It shows us Jesus' character, his desires for us, and his sacrifice that changed everything. Where our story falls, he is in the middle of his teachings and miracles. He had cast out demons, healed disease, caused the paralyzed to walk, and the blind to see. News of his abilities had traveled, and people would bring their sick to him wherever he was traveling to or staying. Let's start off with reading Mark chapter 5 verses 21 through 24 to see an example of this. When Jesus had crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him this man had to leave his dying child's side to go to jesus that's how much faith he had in his abilities that's how desperate he was that he was able to be torn from her side have you ever seen a parent with a sick child that won't leave the hospital that won't eat because their stomach is so knotted up with worry it consumes them and with how sick this girl was this man could be missing her last moments on earth And back then, there wasn't even the hope available that he would see her again, not like how we have it today. I can't imagine how scared he was, or how scared the little girl was. Lucky for Jairus, Jesus was right there. He fell at Jesus' feet. He said, please, come and place your hands on her, and she will be healed and live. This was a bigger deal than maybe is first obvious. It says that Jairus was a leader in the synagogue, many of whom had close ties to the Pharisees, those people who didn't much like Jesus. For Jairus to bow before Jesus was a daring act of worship and respect. He would likely lose his standing with the Pharisees, which would involve losing privilege and possibly his position. But that all would have seemed insignificant compared to losing his daughter. Jesus sees his faith and his humility in the situation and he goes with Jairus. I think it goes without saying that parents aren't perfect people. They are human after all. And there's nothing about becoming a parent that suddenly solves all your imperfections caused by the human condition. Yet look at how this parent responded to his sick child. Out of love, he saw her condition and actively sought for a way to heal her. How much more do you think our Father in Heaven responds to us? In Mark 2:17, Jesus says, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. God saw his children, he saw our condition, stubborn hearts, sinful habits, selfish desires. He saw us in all of our sickness, and instead of turning to anger, he was a father who actively sought a solution. He sent Jesus, and Jesus in turn is like Jairus in our defense. Jesus goes to God and pleads for us. Jesus bowed down in humility and sacrificed his status, his privileges, to die on a cross to trade his daughter's life, yours, mine, for his. Jesus didn't come down for the perfect daughter. He came for the sick. He came for the dying. Because without Jesus, we're all dying, all dead. So fall down, down to your knees, and praise the God that covers us in love and righteousness. To the God who pursues us and gives us life before we find out what happens with Jairus and the little girl something else happens remember that there were many people crowding around him in Mark chapter 5 verses 25 through 34 we read this and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had yet instead of getting better she grew worse Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, she told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. For about as long as that little girl had been alive, this woman was dealing with a constant period. That's what subject to bleeding meant. I know that sounds awful enough as is, but there's something else you need to understand about the culture back then. Back in the Old Testament, there were these laws formed for the people to be quote-unquote right with God. No one could keep up with all of it, that's why we got Jesus, but they still usually tried to follow it best they could. One part of those laws revolved around the concept of being clean or unclean. There were foods that were unclean to eat, skin issues that made people unclean, and even mold in a house. One of those things was right after a woman had given birth to a child or when she was on her period. The way that uncleanliness worked was that anything or anyone a woman on her period touched would also be considered unclean. So, the repercussions of her illness didn't just mean that she was suffering from bleeding. It meant that she couldn't enter the temple to worship. It meant that she would have been a lot more touch-starved than any of us were during quarantine. It meant that if she so much touched the fabric of someone's clothes, the person would be considered unclean until evening. Twelve years. 12 years she would have been deprived of worship in her temple and physical contact. 12 years she would have been avoided as if she had leprosy. But something changed on that day. She saw Jesus and knew that if she just touched his clothes, she would be healed. How much faith do you think it would take on her part after years of doctors taking her money and not being able to help her for her to have hope again? After we get so many no's, We tend to start protecting ourselves by stopping expecting a yes. We don't want to get our hopes up because it hurts when they're let down. But this woman didn't let doubt stop her. She fought to the center of that crowd to brush Jesus' robe, and immediately she knew she was healed. Now, Jesus knew who touched him. He didn't need to ask, but he used that moment as he often did for teaching. He wasn't angry that she had touched him. Anyone else probably would have because they would have had to deal with being unclean the rest of the day. But just like Jesus didn't care about their cultural norms when he talked to the Samaritan woman at the well, he didn't care about the concept of her being unclean because he knew that it wouldn't actually affect him. He knew that he was the effector. Don't forget to be the same. Don't be afraid of others' pasts or reputations. Be the influencer, not the influenced. But what does Jesus tell her when she comes trembling and falling at his feet? He tells her that her faith has healed her, that she is free from her suffering. Let that sink into your bones for a minute. Jesus loves to tell people that. When we have faith in Jesus and we fall at his feet, we get to hear the same. One of these days in heavens, we can fall at his feet in front of his throne and tell him everything we've done, the whole truth. And he can tell us to have peace, that we are healed and free of suffering. I've had quite a few experiences this past year that have led me to pray to God in new ways. I guess it's my way of trying to, trying so hard to just reach out and barely brush His robe, just to grasp out and touch His power to heal me, to make me feel whole. I forget sometimes that I have more than a robe to reach out to. I forget sometimes that I don't have to reach out. I can reach in. 1 John chapter 4, verses 13 through 15 tell us this. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. So this means that we have that power inside of ourselves because inside of us is the spirit of God guiding us, giving us strength for our battles and comforting us in every sorrow. If you feel far from God, reach in. Fall down in front of God and have faith in his power. Read his word. Worship his name. Even when your heart doesn't feel it, he's there. Jeremiah 17 tells us that our hearts are deceitful. They can trick us with fickle emotions. Don't let your emotions of fear and doubt block you from God. Now don't forget we have another little girl's story to finish. Iris is still leading Jesus to her. In Mark five thirty-five 35-43, it says, While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid. Just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion. "'with people crying and wailing loudly. "'He went in and said to them, "'Why all this commotion and wailing? "'The child is not dead but asleep.' "'But they laughed at him. "'After he put them all out, "'he took the child's father and mother "'and the disciples who were with him "'and went in where the child was. "'He took her by the hand and said to her, "'Talitha kumi, "'which means, "'Little girl, I say to you, get up.' "'Immediately the girl stood up "'and began to walk around.' She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. The ending is a gut punch with a quick plot twist. She dies, but Jesus grabs her hand and commands her to wake up. And she does. The people scoffed at him when he said she was only asleep. They told Jairus not to bother him anymore because there was nothing for him to do. The situation was unfixable. I don't know if you've ever felt unfixable. If you felt like you were too far gone to be saved. Maybe you are a Christian, still struggling with old sins, a bad habit, or a destructive mindset. Maybe you've thought that you've messed up too badly this time. We can get in our heads and ask the same question they did. Why bother the teacher anymore? But we aren't a bother. We aren't a bother when in humility we ask for forgiveness. We aren't a bother when we ask for His strength. We aren't a bother when we call out to God because we feel alone or in pain. His strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. That's His glory to transform us, to be our source, to be the message on our lips. Jesus is telling you don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid of your past, your present, or your future. Don't be afraid to let go of regrets and shame. Don't be afraid to love God and his people fiercely. Don't be afraid to share your faith. Don't be afraid of life. Just believe in the God who created you. Believe that he died for you. Believe that he resurrected for you. Just believe that he is making all things new. And that includes you. Let him take you by your hand and get up. You are meant for more than the mundane life cycle society's created. You were meant to move towards God, towards serving people. You are meant for work, for the kingdom of heaven. It's your destiny. Remember that Jesus tells us to not be afraid. But he doesn't tell us that there won't be scary things that happen. Let me give you a story for that. In the chapter before this, Mark 4, verses 35 through 41, tells this story Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. In our lives, we're going to face a lot of storms. Like a woman who was isolated because of bleeding for 12 years or a dying child. These things are realities of this world. God doesn't promise us that we're not going to face trials and hard times. He doesn't say that in this life we will be perfectly protected and we will always be happy. In fact, there are plenty of verses that tell us that as Christians, we're going to face trials, but that we should count them as joy. Why? Because when we are faced with hardship, we are given the opportunity to show the rest of the world how different we are. We build perseverance. And we know that God promises us that he's going to be with us on the boat, calming our fears. We can handle the bad times better because of this. We know there is so much more than this life. This life is the closest thing that we as Christians will ever get to hell. It's where we will be most distant from God, where there is sickness, trauma, abuse, trafficking, war, and death, stubborn hearts, selfish minds. But Revelations 21.4 tells us that there will be a day when God will wipe away every tear from our eyes, that there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. I want to go there. I want to be able to kneel before the king and hear that I am loved, to know that my suffering is over just like the woman who was healed. And we get that. Oh my gosh, that's what's so exciting. That's what our hope is all about. So face your trials, because you'll have them. You'll have them, but face them with confidence and faith. You know where you're going. Jesus already has the victory. The old is passing away. God is making everything new. That's everything that I've got for today. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, we're going to be talking about Michael from the Old Testament, a wife of David. And I hope to see you then. If you have any questions about today's episode, the Bible, or anything else, I'd be happy to answer as best as I can. And as per usual, if you have not heard it today, God loves you. I love you. You are important. You have worth and you have such a cool purpose. I'm signing off. Bye.